0: Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. I was inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, author and anthropologist, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums such as the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture, or the Schomburg, or the Library of Congress's Folk Life Museum. I'll share a little bit about me and my family history, and then I'll speak to my guests. I'm a Black American. My dad was African American and Indigenous American. His ancestors were enslaved in Georgia. In fact, we still have our family slave name, which is Kilbrew. My dad, Dr. Terrence Kilbrew, met my mom in graduate school at the New School in New York when they were both earning their master's degrees in psychology. And I'm a fourth-generation teacher, so my mother is a retired New York City teacher. My grandmother was a teacher on the island of Jamaica for 20 years and then in New York for 20 years. My great-grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica up until she got married. She was the daughter of an Irish woman and a black man. She stopped working after she got married because it wasn't considered respectable for a married woman to continue working in the late 1800s. And ironically, my mother began teaching long after she got married in the late 1900s. So, Without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest today.
1: Okay, my name is Natasha Herring. I'm from New York City, specifically originally from the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and I currently
0: live in Harlem. And what's your family ancestry?
1: My family ancestry is African American, Black.
0: And do you identify as Black or African American? I mostly
1: identify as Black, <laughs> um, African American. The term came up later in my years, but you know, I identify as African American as well.
0: Thank you. And what would you like to share about living and working during the COVID nineteen pandemic?
1: Yeah, good question. I was like, whoa, this is going to go there, right? It's it's going back to a darker place, and I was like, I had to get my mind right for this conversation because. Um, a lot happened. Um, so let, let let me go backwards. So um, around the time that this was happening, I was working for an organization called 1199 SEIU. And what 1199 SEIU is, um, there's two arms of it. There's one that's a union and it's in healthcare. So it's a healthcare union and the other part of the healthcare union provides benefits. And I, work for, I used to work for the benefits part of it in the education fund. So basically we um, would train home care workers, upskill them um, and so forth and so on. So it affected me in quite a number of ways because not only was everything happening during the pandemic worldwide, like for all of us, um, I was we had to speak with and interact with the home care workers who were providing care. And uh, yeah, for people who were unfortunately passing away um, and, and also we, not just home care workers, but also um, nursing home um, workers. And so that was really tough and very dark. Um, so, at, so what we first did, um, and, and on top of that, I was a manager. So I was managing um, my team, managing them, helping and assisting with our home care workers and um, the nursing home workers. And their losses, and then also my team who lost loved ones, and you know, trying to keep it together for myself and my own family. So when I tell you it was like a hit after hit after hit, it was really, really tough. Um, so and then we had to shift because we I'm I was working in education and we provide trainings, as I mentioned. But we had to shift and provide, you know, emergency care and uh, uh, so you know, masks and uh, they're going to hate me because I'm like, what is the name of the of the mask? Like, there's a specific name uh, for
0: the,
1: the KN95. No, not just the not the name of the not the type of mask, but it's um, like a type of preparedness is called anyway. Whatever, it'll, maybe it'll come back to me, but it just basically on the normal, on the normal circumstances, they have to have gloves and, um, s- certain types of safety equipment already. And we had to uh, add additional, uh, you know, m- basically equipment, uh, or supplies so that they can do their continue to do their work. And our attention was now in like this emergency, uh, ca- kits that we had to send out to them and then uh, take our training that we did primarily in person and then do them online. And then also focus our topics from the traditional um, workforce development topics to topics that were more focused towards grief and loss and um, trauma-informed care and um stress relief, stress management, because there was a dire need, uh, we saw. So um, as that was happening, um, I personally was doing okay, as okay could be at that time. I just was not realizing what ends up happening, even for those who are caregivers, is that you start um, developing um, Compassion um, fatigue, mm-hmm. passion fatigue, and that was happening to me um, a little bit over time. But just to backtrack, um, I had several. So I had a team of about um, ten people that I supervised, and um, you know, I had one team member who was also a friend who had a mother in a nursing home in nursing home. And unfortunately her mom passed away during this time. And it was, mm-hmm. it was so sad because um, she couldn't have a funeral. She couldn't, she wasn't allowed to see her mother and she also couldn't have a funeral. And it, it, was, just, it was just incredibly sad. Um, and then I had another team member lose uh, his uncle um, who wasn't in a home, but he was, you know, just like you and I walking around, but he was in that age group, like a little bit older, maybe fifties, sixties, maybe, um, maybe sixties. Um, and he just went in, you know, sick and then got diagnosed with COVID and next thing you know, he passed away. It was just so very quick. Hmm. Um, at that time when people were getting sick and passing away. I thankfully had someone I know that ended up getting incubated and in a coma and ended up surviving, which is miraculous. So There are some, uh, you know, magnificent stories out there, but in general, it was a lot of um, grief and loss and pain and, um, you know, coming together and being able to support each other in whatever way possible. And also um, I had another friend who had to, who was like working security at a hospital in Brooklyn. And unfortunately had to witness a lot of the bodies, people's passing and their bodies just being shipped out overnight. And here in um, Harlem, I'm not sure if you heard about it, but they had like caskets laid out outside. Yeah, that's how bad it was up here. They had wooden caskets, outside of the funeral homes, standing up um, outside when this was, because they were so overwhelmed.
0: Wow. I heard about the refrigerated trucks storing all the the dead bodies, but I didn't think about how the the funeral homes were also overwhelmed. Yes.
1: And I did speak to someone who was a mortician who was working during that time. And he said it was, it was horrendous. It was just, it, you know they had a lot of protocol, safety protocols but he said what was the saddest was that you would find like someone who would come in for a funeral and then weeks later they would come back back in for another person in their family from that same funeral
0: mm-hmm. I mean
1: you know another funeral in, within that same family only weeks later
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it was happening quite a bit in uh you know as you know in the black community and the latinx community so that's just a very bare minimum of what was going on. I also had a friend um, whose mother was diagnosed with cancer, simultaneously diagnosed with COVID.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yes.
1: And I um, went to go visit her. She she unfortunately passed away, too. Mm. But I did go visit her during that time, and there were specific protocols we had to take. And thankfully, they made an exception with her mm. um, because soon... Only a few weeks later, she ended up passing away. And thankfully they made exception with her. And, um, and quite frankly, like if that didn't happen, what ended up happening is like, she checked herself out (laughs) because she wanted to pass away. She wanted to be home. Mm -hmm. So she just like called her kids up and said, come and get me. And they went in and got her. And thankfully, she had a peaceful passing at home. Wow. wow. Um, But that's how she did it. You know, they did make an assumption for us to see her, thankfully. But had they not, she still would have been seen because she was like, come get me. Wow, Um, Lovely lady. Her name is uh, was Michelle Gooden. um, And uh, she's she was the mother of best one of my best friends. But even going on that topic, just to even stress like the care, the healthcare system in general at that time were so diverted towards COVID only and they were already overwhelmed that those who need additional care like for cancer or um, immuno um, diseases or just checkups and other, um, not even just checkups or all other high-risk patients for other diseases um led to additional problems
0: mm-hmm. and that means to
1: just keep going blah 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 but you know
0: no please it's good to hear because when I ask people if they know of anyone who passed away I had a cousin say do you want me to talk about all of them or just one or two so it's good to hear because I know I personally know several people passed away so it's good to hear you talk about them
1: um yeah and i'll w- I will mention some more by name um, a- as we go on, but um but yeah, even even when we would thought we were like getting clear of it, um, my cousin's aunt, who worked for the police force, um kept working for them, and I didn't know she had an immunodisease. um disease. like I didn't know that about mm-hmm. her. And she got vaccinated, and she ended up getting catching COVID. And she was in her 40s. She was in her 40s. And she ended up passing away. Um, Her name was Shante Neal. And she ended up passing away. And I was just like, wow. This was, was it a, it was about at least six months ago, maybe a little longer. You know, sense of time during this time is really off. Um, but yeah, she, you know, she had kids. She had a lot, you know, like we all do, have lives, and mm-hmm. it was very it was very sudden for her family. Um, but yeah, so what ended up happening with me personally, um, I ended up interesting, just having a lot of people pass away during this time outside of COVID. Mm-hmm. My grandmother ended up passing away. Thankfully, my grandmother um, probably lasted longer than she would have had. We put her in a nursing home. We had just decided, like we had just decided that okay, maybe she should go into a nursing home. And she was at my um, aunt's home in Florida. And right when we were just deciding, that's when COVID hit. And I remember saying to my aunt, "Um, "Yeah, I don't think that." you should do that. I remember saying that. I was like, I think, I think you should hold off. I think we should hold off and see what's going on with this
0: thing Mm.
1: of COVID. And she, and she was like, yeah, she agreed. And then, um, it was, it was a year later where my grandmother passed away. She had dementia and, um, a heart, a heart, um, problem. She ended up dying, uh, passing away because her heart failed. But um, she passed away, then I mean, it was like one, two, three, my she passed away, then my aunt Katie passed away, then my cousin passed away, you know, they as the saying goes, it comes in threes. Mm. So we got hit, boom, boom, boom. In addition to, I have two sons, and my youngest son was finishing high school. And the teen mental health was horrendous. And the school was doing the best they could under the circumstances with first um, education. But to me, I felt like they the need was more less on the education at this point and more in the mental well-being of the children, of Mm -hmm. the teenagers, because my son, unfortunately, knew at least two people who passed away. And one of them was from suicide. Oh, and another from a drug overdose Um, right so it's like it's basically subsequent things that was happening not just COVID itself but the fact that we were in isolation
0: Mm -hmm.
1: for so long and I I kept having to you know check on my son as well because I hear my son's very social and outgoing and he got, he became so disconnected from his social groups and school at this time. Mm. And, I, and I remember, you know, it, it being hard in my sons too, because they're very active boys. And um, if you remember, they took the basketball court hoops off.
0: Yeah, I remember.
1: And I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. I was like, they need to move their bodies. And also it helps with endorphins and their mental well-being. So here my sons who are very physically active, usually, it was just like night and day. So now they're like not having anywhere to go, anywhere, anything, anything's always inside. Specifically, I'm talking about my younger son. And then he would ask permission to go see some a limited amount of friends. But, you know, and then we'd have like talk about protocols and safety protocols for ourselves. And talk about testing and all of that for ourselves and his friends and talk about their story so we know that we're being as safe as possible. But I was like, yes, because I had to, because I I was concerned that, you know, he would go bonkers. I mean, uh-huh. he would you know what I mean? I mean, it was just already so dark. And I I was having to take care of him and take care of my family and also thinking of myself, but I wasn't thinking of myself enough, right? I was managing a team managing my family and then when my grandma passed away that that was it that that did it for me and i ended up simultaneously not with her just passing away but burnout i received i experienced some serious burnout by then because right we had to we had we were supporting home care workers who were coming to us during trainings and we gave them space and held space for them to tell us their stories of their clients, and not only were they telling us their stories of their clients, but they were telling us stories of those in their own life that were passing away. And when I say it was sad and dark, it was sad and dark. And all you could do is just try to just listen um, and just be bear witness, because I mean, there was a lot of tears and there was a lot of. Um, you know, hugs, air hugs at that point because we couldn't really physically touch people. Mm. Um, but a lot of you know, basically, I understand. Or if if I can't fully understand, I, I'm I'm just letting you know I'm here and I'm present. And that was the beauty of it. I saw a lot of people just come together in a way that would um, that just left a lot of space for human connection in that way um a way to just support each other but for me I ended up I I ended up burning out I was like I just I couldn't do it anymore um I held out as long as the end of my program and then after that even before that ended I was like I have to get out of New York I had to get out I had to go fly to be with my family in Florida um I didn't realize at that time at the time but I really think it was because I wanted to like Make peace with my grandmother passing there and not seeing her right before, mm. um, and so I did that. And I needed some vitamin D. I just I, yeah. I needed vitamin D. I needed space, and uh, and I needed to be able to walk without um, without looking in, a, in in a desolate wasteland because New York looked like the nineteen eighties. It looked, I was like going back to when I was a little girl and I was like, wow, uh-huh. looking like 1980s. And that was not good. <laughs> I was like, wow, uh-huh. that's not good. I said, "Uh oh, we're going to start hearing about some people wilding out out here. And it's true. Right. We started hearing some weird reports of like. Some horrible reports of like. um. Remember hearing a young man who was having an argument with his um mother and she had said had an argument with him about working or something like that, and he just lost it and killed her.
0: Yeah. It, it,
1: it was like it was a lot of that I remember happening and these these stories that were coming up. And I'm just like, okay, if you don't have enough evidence that our mental well-being is as important as our physical well-being. I think, you know, I think we're a little slow. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm more talking about society as a whole. But yeah, um, most of the people I was telling you about basically are Black, um, Black, um, with the exception of one that I mentioned to you is um, from the Latinx community.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I'm trying to think, because I did, you know, and, I'm trying to think if I missed anyone because there were a lot of people, right? Because you did that's that's why you're like you know, I I remember going to an, a funeral, another funeral, and uh, this is when we were allowed to have funer- go to funerals, and I remember going to the same funeral house, and I was like, oh my goodness, I've already been here, and then I remember I was on the eleventh eleventh person,
0: the eleventh
1: person that had passed away. Oh wow! Yes, I I remember counting at one point. I was I, I was like, I need to stop counting. It's not good for me. <laughs> you,
0: if you were to estimate, about how many people do you know passed away?
1: I stopped at eleven. Yeah,
0: you just.
1: Okay. So I I can't tell you. That's the number I stopped at. Yeah. Number,
0: number eleven. Do so you want to say their names? Or?
1: Um. So I mentioned Shante Neal. That's my um, cousin's um, aunt who passed away. I also mentioned Michelle Gooden. She passed away, um, not from, not technically from COVID, but she did have COVID when she had cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, I did mention my grandmother passed, who was Annie Herring, who didn't die from COVID. But during that time, and my aunt Katie Hines, And my cousin, Michael, um, I believe his last name was Hines. And also another friend of mine um, whose uncle passed away specifically from COVID, Hector Mm -hmm. Fabio Morales and um, someone else who did not pass away from COVID, but during that time too, uh, Trevor, um, who was a musician, my friend's husband, who else do I want to mention specifically? There were a few other people, but I be, but because I didn't get permission, I don't want to say their names specifically. Right.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: Um, but um, another friend of mine, her her mother, my friend Jackie, her mother who passed away. I'm not going to say her. I'm going to say my friend Jackie, whose mother who passed away, because oh. I didn't get permission to mention her name. Her name. She's the one that passed away um in the nursing home.
0: Oh, wow yeah that's heavy I appreciate you sharing it because I a lot of people said they weren't ready to talk so thank you oh, you're
1: welcome Malaya that's how I was like oh like when I, I was just like oh and I'm sure I missed the time because my I was like I really don't want to talk about this <laughs> you know what I mean like your your mind and your body catches up and I, catches you and you and it does something to protect you
0: <laughs> yes <laughs>
1: And I kept forgetting and I remember reminding myself yesterday and I was like oh that's right I have that interview with Sonia and I said oh I didn't put it in my phone but then I looked and I'm like I did put it in my phone but I didn't put the alert and I'm like okay Natasha you're just something's happening subconsciously (laughs) yes you don't want to have to talk about this but you know you need to talk about this because it's very important
0: it is Yeah, because for me, in, in talking about it, because I did, I cried a lot when uh, when we lost cousins. And now after talking about it for so much, I'm not crying anymore. So I'm hoping that can help people to process the grief by talking about it. Yes. Um, it
1: definitely, I think, well, they're, they're just not there yet. And we all are at a certain point in our trajectory and our healing process and our journey and our grief. Um, but for me, I finally got to a point in my mourning process where I could just now talk about it because no, I was I was a wreck. Mm. I couldn't even put words to it.
0: Yeah. I couldn't put words to it. Especially when the funerals, you know, when they started live streaming funerals, I was like, this is oh yes, sad. It's so sad. Uh,
1: Yes. And I remember being in Florida, visiting my aunt during this time and being there, helping her, helping her with being live streaming to visit another relative of ours who passed away so that she could live stream it. I mean, so she could view it. And I said, I can't, but I'm gonna help you. I was like, I can't go to another funeral. I can't, I just, it, you know, you just get to a point where you just can't do it anymore. Yeah. But yes, live live streaming and funerals, it just felt, it felt and still feels so like you you were living a, a an apocalyptic novel or something. Right? It just yeah. it felt like, wow, you know, whoa, we write about this stuff, we read about this stuff, but it's no
0: fun to live it. It's no fun to live it. No, because I, right, when I read about these type of post-apocalyptic stories, and I know that people are sad, but to f- experience the loneliness of not being able to see friends, I mean, it's very depressing. It's, it's really hard. It's depressing,
1: it's isolating, and the very nature of depression is, like, you feeding into depression where you're, like, isolating. Mm. So, yeah, it, it is it is all of that, and then some... Um, and then some, so we shall see. You have any other questions? Uh,
0: and have you transitioned to working in person or are you still working?
1: Okay. So when I was working for StoryCorps, um, so actually going, working for StoryCorps was like a little, um, was a test for me because I had been out of work. I was able to take off. I don't know how, but I guess I saved up severance and everything like that. I was, I had been out of work for eight months oh. intentional and in, as intentional as possible mm-hmm. because i was like i had to get myself together right and i didn't mean for it to be that long i thought oh it would just be for the s- summer and then it became like eight months anyway so working um for story was my foot back into being in person so when i was but when i was working for 11.99 we did do the hybrid so mm-hmm. i did <coughs> go into work for a few days and then a few days off and then i was off myself i took the time off and then when i worked for story it was primarily recordings that we would do in person we would do some like this
0: oh
1: yeah it was in person that's why i was in florida i they were um, so i was supervising their mobile booth and their team and they their mobile tour um that usually ha- what usually happens is they have this airstream where they record their stories but mm-hmm. because of covid because it's so close quarter they couldn't use it in that way they just would use it more as like an advertisement um and when we were in uh in the various cities so we were traveling tallahassee and then um tampa and then after tampa um Pensacola we would go in and um and uh, record. And so that was a bit of a challenge because, you know, now you're coming out of all of this isolation and you're nervous. The team is nervous. Um, And also there's a different dynamic in the South, right? In how they're thinking about masking and everything. My first official week (laughs) of um, managing the team, I had one team member come down with covid which then yes which then um affected us and you know just put it it was around that time when it, the omicron variant was happening
0: yeah
1: if you remember a lot of cancel flight cancellations and then there was a lot of stuff happening with um jobs and businesses yeah. So that so it just was like now, thankfully, not as many people were passing away, but a lot of people were still were catching it. Right. So that's what was happening. Um, so we had to just be extra careful. And that affected the team in that way where it just put a strain on the team. And then we had to, like, um, change some of our recordings from in person to online. And then we recovered from that. And um, you know, just kind of constantly talking to each other about how can we be as safe as possible, but while at the same time trying to keep the the nature of this thing that they created, which was the story booth, um, the recording sessions that were in person, because it was it was more it's more of a two person recording, right? It would be like how you and I are talking, but it would be a third person who's recording. So that right, so that um, so that the the focus is truly and only on the conversation between the two people conversing, and the technical is being handled by the facilitator. And I did a few of that. It was absolutely great. I mean, even with the, you know, the tension of the stress of, you know, of being nervous, it was great because I was just happy to be around people. (laughs) I I was like, you know, happy to be around people around story. I I just, it was great. It was stressful sometimes, but oh my goodness, it was just such a wonderful experience.
0: I've been a listener of StoryCorps for years. And when I saw um, online that you were working with StoryCorps, I got so excited because I want to do what they're doing. Like they store their stories at the Smithsonian. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. So I got so excited that you're doing that.
1: Yes. And you might want to also consider the, um, for some of the stories, the African-American Museum in DC. (sighs) they, They partner with them too.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I just, I want to say how we know each other from the city college MFA program in New York. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you're, you're an amazing poet. I just heard you perform in person on Friday. You told me you're a poet. I'm just like, you know, I'm, I,
1: poetry is one of the things I do. You okay. know, I also write um, everything else, nonfiction and fiction. Um, but you, it's easiest to um, perform poetry you know or read poetry you know what I'm saying because it's it's like a snippet it's just enough to get people's attention and get them caught up uh so yeah I'm I'm gonna have to work on my prose, like how I'm gonna deliver that to 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 keep people's attention because for some reason for me it's it's important (laughs) but um but yeah
0: no, I really enjoyed your performance, and I want to thank you for your time. I know this—it's not easy talking about, so thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. It's much easier to talk about it with someone that I know, mm. and it would be a complete stranger. But, um, but you're welcome, and thank you for having me. Are there any anything? Did I miss anything? Is there anything else that?
0: No, that was yeah. that was perfect. Thank you. Good. So good good have a good monday and you i'll be well. in, in touch all right thank you so much i'll thank talk you. to you later bye i'm sonia jean Kilabrew and this is black america and covid an oral history project